You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Let's go to the island. I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash, and there are others, and there are numbers, and it all means something supposedly, but even though there are times we To go back. Did we? Oh, yes, we did. Mm, debatable. It, welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast where we break down <laughs> the terrific series. No, 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 no. It's just break down, period. <laughs> Lost. I'm Will Link, and with me as always. I'm Megan Salinas. Hey, guys. And we are breaking down season one, episode nine solitary which is basically the way danielle rousseau has lived for, for these past 16 years Ugh. and you do have one of those moments in it where she's like it's been that long it's oh. been that long 16 years oh man um, oh man this episode dude you know what's interesting about this episode? We'll, we'll break it down. We'll do the whole Saeed story. And I think rather than start with the flashback, I think we should start on the island because it kind of goes into stuff. Yeah. But what's what's interesting about this, I feel like if this episode had been made today, mm-hmm. Saeed would have been gone for like three or four episodes. <laughs> but instead, like the last episode ends, Saeed's going off somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then... It's, he's the first thing we see in this episode back. We don't, we don't, the people on the island don't spend any time, they spend a lot of time away from Saeed, but we, the viewers, don't. And I think from a pacing standpoint, I think if that was done today, because you see this all the time now, where characters, even main characters, aren't in like two or three episodes of a show because they've gone off somewhere. Or sometimes even half a season. Like, um, I, you know, back when I was still watching Walking Dead, no, not a knock against the show. I just got busy. Um, but like back when I was still watching Walking Dead, when Carol left for a little while and then came back with a vengeance, like that was a perfect example of like a character can go away from a little while and then come back in a big way. Yeah. And uh, but they they got not to do this. Probably, I guarantee you, if they made the show today, though, Saeed would be gone for at least two episodes. At least one. It's like, oh, Saeed left. We hardly missed him. Kate seems to be missing him because for yeah. them, it's been two days. I had almost forgotten that he had left because, like, uh, you know, he's we open with him, like, sitting on the beach. And I, I had almost completely forgotten that he had uh, parted ways with everybody in, at the end of the last episode because he's just sitting there um, very, very tranquil, like looking out at the ocean. And I was expecting at any moment for us to pull back and like see the wreckage of the plane and see other people walking around. Uh, but nope, it's just him. And so I was like, oh, yeah, he's like off on uh, on a quest of some sort. Um, This episode is the first episode that really starts to get into the mythology of the island for better or worse which i would say 
for at least certainly more interesting. I will I I have my my problems with the way later on things are executed, but this episode in and of itself does an excellent job of setting a lot of things up. And that again, it was one of the reasons why Lost was so compelling at the time when it came out is because it was one of the only shows setting up things in that way. So you really do have to hand it to this episode, even though I don't necessarily like what they did with a lot of those elements later on. The way they're set up here is so compelling. So the episode starts, as you said, Saeed's on the beach, and he's looking at a picture of Nadia. It's the first time we're getting a glimpse that uh, of his life outside of the island. Of clearly, This is clearly someone from his past, clearly someone he, he loves. Then he also sees a giant cable that's mm-hmm. going into the ocean from the jungle. And he follows it up the jungle. I believe, and oh my god, it's like I'm going to be rediscovering this stuff along with, with all of us. Yeah, but I, believe, I completely forgot where this cable led and I, like how deep into the ocean it went. But I believe the cable goes to the Looking Glass, which is a Dharma underwater station that will have tragic um, consequences I was going to say, that's, that's what I was like, yeah, like kind of, I was like, am I misremembering that? Does that come into play later on with Desmond and Charlie? And I believe, unless, you know, unless, uh, it, it's amazing. I used to know this stuff like the back of my hand and re-watching this, part of the fun has been like trying to like, oh wait, does that, but I'm 99.9% sure that's where putting it goes. Putting all the, retroactively putting all the pieces together is, is is an interesting experience for this show, for sure. So Saeed goes into the jungle, and then he sees, like, a tripwire. But Saeed's smart. He He's looking for tripwires. He knows something's up. So he steps over the tripwire into a trap because <laughs> Daniel Rousseau out Saeed Saeed. <laughs> and it's, um, it's really funny to actually see in live action someone get caught in a trap like this because most of the time uh seeing somebody sort of get get caught in um that that sort of foot trap i usually only see it in cartoons so it's interesting like daffy duck yeah <laughs> yeah very very looney tunes esque so to see it in live action is interesting but then also having like the horrifying reality of like swinging back and forth at that speed in the jungle Saeed immediately stabs his leg on like a piece of bamboo and then also the reality of like being hung upside down while you're bleeding and uh, for for who knows how long with your entire body weight oh man i was just looking at it i was like oh man like in it's fun in cartoons in real life that can't be a good time oh you mean that you this has never happened to you because i mean it's happened to me at least half a dozen have times. you gotten trapped in a cartoonish-esque uh Rube Goldberg machine. <laughs> oh, I mean, not a week goes by when that doesn't happen. <laughs> so, um, Saeed awakes to find himself prisoner of this strange woman, a French woman, who's asking about Alex. And who's Alex? This is the first of many mysteries that Rousseau is going to throw at us that we're not going to know for years <laughs> sorry and, but it's it, but it's interesting because watching this now we know alex 
is her daughter. It's, uh, I guess, um, the the acting that in this scene is so interesting, and the writing is so tight. Um, it like seeing when when she's interrogating Saeed, first and foremost, the thing that's fresh in the audience's mind from last week is like, oh man, Saeed was the torturer, and now the sh- you know the shoe is on the other foot, and he's the one being tortured for information that he does not have yeah. with you know with context that he is not privy to. So it, it's so interesting to see how the dilemma that was torturing him at the end of the last episode, he's now in that exact situation, but the roles are reversed. And if we go with the idea that these flashbacks are, are kind of moments the characters are thinking about, it makes sense that we would get then to this Nadia storyline, which is really a breaking point in his life as a torturer. It was the one person he couldn't really bring himself to to go, you know, full, you know, uh, the waterboarding Dick Cheney on or whatever. The, uh, you know? um, but, but, yeah, but that, that moment where he's like, um, I don't know who Alex is, who is he? And just the, the look on Russo's face, it says... It says so much if you if you're like Saeed and you don't know her story, you don't know what what she's been through. But coming at it from where we're at, uh, with the knowledge that we have, seeing her reaction to him asking, "Who is he?" That's when you know she knows. At that point, this guy doesn't know anything. Or uh, or see, I read or it the other way. Or yeah. he's trying to. You can see both scenarios playing out in her mind and you also see the emotion that she's holding back because she so desperately wants to connect with another person but is also on guard yeah i think because she wants to connect she wants this to be like a relationship she can have with another human being like in in some way like allies friends just but just there is the part of her that i think until proven otherwise, like when he says, like, I don't know who this is, there's this thing coming from her, like, fuck you, you're an other, yeah. and you're trying to play me, but you're not going to play me. And, I, th- I think she and, thinks that. And, and in her defense, in her insane defense, she's not wrong. Because in the B storyline, we'll get to it, but there's a, there's a setup there's it's and yeah. it's so interesting that freaked me out when i saw it did you go ah <laughs> i was like oh, i have a whole story about that oh i can't wait i can't wait but like um but yeah the fact that they bring up this scenario um and that 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 very small element is added in the b storyline for this episode time out should we close that window i'm hearing stuff can you it's all right all right i'll cut that out <laughs> I'll be uh, make my make a note for me to like cut that bit out, um, or leave it in, <laughs> or leave it in. See how the sausage is made. <laughs> Steven, Steven, edit that out. Um, do you listen to any of my favorite murders? They every now and then they'll go into like little segues and be like, Steven, Steven, edit that <laughs> out. Um, anyway, neither here nor there. So, knowing what we again, knowing what we know about where this series goes having the others set up here and then getting what we get in the B storyline. Again, this is good storytelling. Yes. I just wish they had stuck with it. 
do you think are the when by not and again this is a podcast where we have knowledge of the whole series uh you should have figured that out by now but us knowing that alex is her daughter do you think the when the writers have her say lines like uh alex was my child things like that did the writers know whether it was going to be a son or a daughter or were they had they not decided or do you think uh uh, they just wanted to keep us still. I think. Guessing. I think this was an intentional um, keeping keeping the audience in the dark. Okay. Because I feel like that moment of Saeed going, "Who is he?" would not have been played the same way if um, if the gender was right. was meant to wasn't meant to be ambiguous from our point of view. However, that being said. Uh, as we we found out when we were sort of doing a little bit of research before the show, that note didn't necessarily that memo didn't necessarily make it uh, out to all elements of production because in the lost companion book, they erroneously referred to Alex as a he, and um, and uh, also in several subtitled versions of this show, they used male pronouns as well. So, um, but for me, in like this is this is again excellent dialogue choices and for me it's not that out of the blue because i i happen to watch a lot of anime and there there are a lot of instances in which they'll refer to characters with gender neutral pronouns and that will often be used to surprise people in the story later to be like, oh, wait, that person was a girl this whole time? Or, oh, that person was a boy? I, I thought you were referring to a girl by the way that you were talking about them or vice versa. Um, or like, like uh, one, one series, Soul Eater, if you listen to it in English, they unambiguously refer to a character as a boy. But in the original Japanese, they always, to the end of the series, they keep the gender neutral so that through the end of the series, you don't actually know. You're like, I think that's a boy, but I'm not sure. So like, this is not super unusual for a viewer like myself. Interesting. Um... I, uh, so... Language is fun. <laughs> language is fun. So, <laughs> she pulls out the phone. He's asking about who Alex is. And she's like, oh, who's this woman? Who's Nadia This uh, uh, on this photo? Because she doesn't believe that his claims of being with, from a group of survivors from a plane crash where there are 40 other people. Yeah. Where she's like, so you left Nadia, the person that you love? And he's like, she wasn't on the plane. He says she's dead. Even though she does not die in this episode. The, now, forgive me, but I don't quite remember. This is the last we see of Nadia, correct? Oh, no. No? Okay, good, because I don't remember. Oh, There's I mean, so I can, much of I, Saeed's backstory that I don't recall. I, I remember this. I'm not going to tell you what ends up happening to Okay, Nadia. cool. Even uh, though we give our little spoiler alert. <laughs> no, this because it's... Because years from now, I want you to be like, what? <laughs> um, I genuinely don't remember. So much of the middle seasons are a blur for me. It's a little weird what happens to Nadia, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Um... But she's not dead. But she is not dead. Okay. Yet. Um, 
So cool. But he does say that he wants to believe that she's still alive. That he spent years yeah. wanting to believe. Because that she's how could still she have there. gotten out of that situation? So let's go. So let's use this her question about Nadia to jump into the flashback for a little bit here. Flashback. We see Saeed beating a guy because this is what he does to get answers, and he beats a guy. But he's a good integrator. He knows that this guy would have give given the information he doesn't know and we see his superior officer who he seems to have a very friendly relationship because they joke around a lot uh the superior officer is played by navid nebar i'm butchering his name i'm sure but i bring it up because he uh this was one of those moments that meant nothing to me then but watching it uh, just today, I'm like, oh, he's the Shadow King on Legion. Like, I'm like, oh, he's the Shadow King. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, so, oh, that's incredible. So that, sorry, like, I had to like back away from that. I did not realize that. So I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh, like he's been on my TV a lot lately. Why is that? Oh, I know. Why do I know this guy? Yeah, and I recognize the voice first, even more so because he's. A little older now. We talk about, you know how a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Sun's episode and how um, that was mostly done in subtitles. Yes, I, I wanted to talk about this too. Can we talk about how elegant the transition from from a foreign language over to English, how elegant that transition was? They did a really good job with that. Because you weren't going to have these – I mean, is the language in Iraq Iraqi? Like, what, what is the what is I the language? I believe it's Arabic, but – I guess it's Arabic. Please yeah, do not quote me on that. I am by no means an authority on that. But I figured they weren't going to – and what's so funny, because it had been years since I seen this episode when it started, I'm like, I'm like, I don't remember this all being in Arabic. I don't remember this all being – and then all of a sudden, and it is a very good transition – all of a sudden, he's speaking English, and I'm like, of course In he is. one beautiful camera movement, as we're going, as Saeed is holding the jaw of this prisoner, who, at this point, both he and his superior know that this guy doesn't know anything. He's holding him by the mouth, and the camera elegantly moves across uh, so that we, we go from one angle, and we, we move around to another, and as we're passing... Uh, the interrogee's head, um, all of a sudden we get that transition from Arabic to English, and it's so incredibly well done. Uh, I, like, all these years later, I, I see that camera movement and that that acting transition, and I'm just like, oh, that's masterfully done. I, yeah. I Like, all these years later, it makes me smile, and I go, bravo, show. Bravo. You will disappoint me later, but bravo on that. That was so good. Um, and, and so this questioning, you know, we see him We see him in his element. Then we see him talk to his superior, and we see Nadia, the girl from the photo. Mm -hmm. We see her walk past as a prisoner, and he has to interrogate her. She has information they believe will lead to the capture of of uh the these bombers it's all very loose it's all like rebels fighting the uh, iraqi republican army um republican guard and he goes and confronts her and immediately we realize oh they know each other yeah they uh, knew each other this, from kids the, she had a thing for him she bullied him 
she bullied him and pushed him in the mud and <laughs> it's kind of precious like um not that like we should perpetuate the the whole myth to kids that if somebody you know pushes you or bullies you that that just means they like you we should not be perpetuating that but it's really cute to think about just this little girl pushing mini sight like chibi saeed into the dirt um because she likes him and he's ignoring her like that's kind of sweet and he says he was ignoring her because she was like well to do too yeah so this is a uh, nadia's you get a lot about her character very quickly because she's clearly someone who in Iraq comes from some privilege yet is standing up for her beliefs and what she thinks is right. And it's it's very, very interesting because it, it says a lot about her as a person because in, in terms of the, the culture there, you know, women are expected to be subservient under this regime and to it... it totally explains why she would defy that if she came from a family of privilege if she was used to getting her way and and like if her family you know spoiled her of course she would be she would feel entitled um so that when those rights are taken away she would want to fight it and stand up for what is right and you know what what she what you know in in terms of like what she should inherently have a right to a right to her voice and um you know having her life matter and she's willing to i mean she's been burned with acid she's had drills in the a drill in the palm of her hand feet were flayed uh and now saeed's like i don't want to hurt you and she's basically like bring it on little saeed who i pushed in the mud (laughs) i'll push you in the dirt again (laughs) um but of course, because we know Saeed a little bit on the island, we know there's a heart there. We know he's, he's a, for lack of a better yeah, word, a, a tortured soul. Yeah. And we see that he's bringing her bread and that they're clearly sweet on each other in a really upsetting way when you think about it. The torturer and the, the, the prisoner. And, and, but they, and they, like, I have no doubt that he actually did have to hurt her to some degree. Yeah. Like, I have no doubt about that. But like, but he's clearly been stalling to keep her around. But his superior officer said, "The Shadow King says you gotta go. You gotta go kill her. You gotta kill her and make a point to all these other people who aren't talking. You gotta take her out behind the chemical shed and shoot her." And this is another one of those moments that, watching it the first time, I'm sure I sat there wondering, like, oh. Is he gonna? Is he gonna do it? Well, especially is, because is he be? he started this by saying she's dead. Yeah. Um. So by 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 the time we get to this flashback, um, I'm expect you know rewind back to what was this 2004? Yeah. Uh, rewind to 2004. I was fully expecting her to die in this flashback. Yeah. And either this is the by, thing that has haunted him forever. Either by his hand or by somebody else's. You know where where he either stood idly by while someone else did it, or he failed to save her. One of like th- those are the scenarios that were running through my mind was either that he killed her, he st- he stood by while someone else did it, or that he tried to help her but failed and she ended up dying anyway. These these are all the things that are running through my mind as we're going through this uh, flashback for Saeed. So instead, though, he frees her and he's like, "There's a." 
you can get in this truck, you could go, you can escape, you'll have about 30 minutes. But it, I know it's sweet, she's writing him a little note. She's dilly-dallying a little bit. Like, you know, everybody's life is on the line at this like, point. And he's, he's telling her, get into this truck because they're not going to check it. Hide yourself. And then they'll be in the town in about 30 minutes. That's more than enough time for you to jump off of the moving vehicle <laughs> and go. That, like, I'm like, wow, yeah, that's... That's not a lot. You really, I don't know. I, I guess you can't. I guess you can't really text him to be like, "Got out. Thanks for all the help. Yeah. <laughs> See you soon. Yeah. You up? <laughs> Brb. Um. So, but she's writing this thing, and while she's doing this, Shadow King shows up. Well, well, and to her, in her defense, this might be the last time she ever gets to no, see No, no, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm making fun. I, but. No, no, no. I, I'm right there with you. Like, you don't really have time <laughs> for this if he's not going to be escorting you. Um, but yeah, there's there's not a whole time, a lot of time to dilly dally, especially when you got the Shadow King on your tail. <laughs> Shadow King shows up, <laughs> and because uh, I can't remember the character name, and uh, Saeed is forced to kill him, kill a superior officer who he clearly. So Saeed does. They were friends. Yeah, Saeed yeah. does kill somebody that he has a real this, relationship. This was with a guy who put in the good word for him, fully expecting, you know, for for another division. Fully expecting Saeed to take off and outrank him soon because they, again, we don't know how long they've been serving together. We know that uh, Saeed and Nadia were were children and probably went to school together, or at least were neighbors in some regard, um, family friends maybe. I don't know. We, they have uh, years and years of a relationship. Uh, this guy, you get the the sense that maybe they were high school buddies um who enlisted together yeah yeah for for sure like there's there's definitely a history there and then uh, but killing him gives saeed an even easier out because then he he's dead he has he shoots himself to be like oh you stole my gun and you escaped you shot him shot you him. killed him and you shot me and then he shoots himself in the leg yeah i i gotta say though like I was like, man, Saeed did not react <laughs> to, like, to that gunshot shot in, in the, the way that, like, you would think somebody would react getting shot in the leg. Like, if I shot myself in the leg, there would have been way more expletives. Oh, yeah. If I <laughs> shot myself in the leg. If I shot myself in the leg, uh, I, I'd be cursing for two, three years straight. Just one long, <laughs> one long, uh, <laughs> two <over>. years later. <laughs> yeah. Um so that's the flashback. So let's get back to Oh, do you have something uh, I, else from the Yeah, uh, I, I I don't know if you want to save this for the show, but um I do want to talk a little bit about how incredible it was that this was a storyline we were getting in this show in two thousand four. Um or if you want to wait until we're we're done covering the B no, storyline. No, no, we could, we could uh... Um can well, I... no, I was going to get back to the Rousseau stuff. But... Okay, okay. Um, we can we can hop on over to the B storyline. Uh, but, like, just the fact that we had... Like, it was remarkable to me that we had an Iraqi character, period. Yeah. In 2004. Let alone that he was somebody who worked for the Iraqi regime during the well, Gulf War. That was also... I mean, look, let's be honest. That was meant to be very provocative. Like, the, the first moment when we find that out earlier in the season when he goes, the Iraqi Republican Guard, 
uh, and Hurley's like, huh? like that was it, it was clearly meant to provoke American yeah. viewers in a way and it provoke was... their sense of who the enemy is kind of thing. Exactly. And it was representation is such an important thing. And, and you know, we're in the year 2018 at the time of this recording and things are really only sort of a little bit better <laughs> when it comes to that. Everything's great. Right, America's I been mean, made great again, right? I mean, <laughs> in terms of representation in the media, we're still dealing with a lot of whitewashing. Yes. And there are shows, I mean, I'm not, I don't watch it, but like the little bits of Homeland that I've seen make me not want to watch it because they they show characters from the Middle East, at least in the episodes that I've seen, in a very two-dimensional, they're the bad guys sort of way and i i don't appreciate shows that don't delve a little bit more into the complexities of why things are the way they are and having a character like saeed in 2004 was something i feel like we needed at that time and i feel like more stories like that are needed now in some ways even more so um, and so having this character where he's humanized and the environment that he is portrayed in, it, you, it's, it's extremely understandable. And the person that he falls in love with, um, it did a lot to humanize people we were at war with. Yeah. And I feel like we need that a lot right now. Um, you know, in the, in the year... Of 2018, when we're still, you know, all about making America great and America first, <laughs> and where we refuse to condemn white supremacists, uh, seeing something like this that came out 14 years ago, it it was a trip to go back and be like, remember when this was like such a still fresh wound, and it was it this. I have no doubt was controversial television. And this was at a time also where uh, uninformed people were still, you know, thinking Iraq had something to do with 9-11. I mean, yeah. there were still people who think. Absolutely. You know, where it was, but I mean, all that stuff was so fresher. It, 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 look, I mean, this, this, this was a... Groundbreaking show for many reasons. Uh, and I feel like we would be doing this particular episode a disservice by not talking about the historical context of the environment in which this episode was produced. Um, and so it's it's heartbreaking to me that we are where we are when this, you know, this was the type of primetime television that was being made 14 years ago. It makes me sad that there are still people who think that, you know, the war in Iraq was because of 9-11 when, no, that's it was all about American interest. And, um, again, it, it was just, it, w it warmed my heart to go back and rewatch this episode where somebody who would have only been portrayed as a terrorist and a monster and the bad guy was humanized. And not only was he humanized, like, he wasn't just a civilian that, like, Iron Man comes in to save or something like that, or that, you know, America comes in to save. He actually worked for the quote-unquote bad guys, and he was a person, and he did everything he could to try to do the right thing, and he has to reconcile all the bad that he's done. 
And it's interesting that also that the, um, you know, this episode does, it's a, it's a, it's an Iraqi rebel that he's, he's dealing with. These are the things that they're, that they're dealing with. And it's, they don't, I'm glad they didn't try to frame it with like some like captured American or something like that, which I think a lesser show would have done because they're like, oh, the American audience will respond to that A lesser better. show. And I, this takes a lot for me to say because I have so many uh, so many feelings of animosity towards this show. And you know, you know why. We've talked about why. But like a lesser show, both in this episode and the episode focusing on Sun and Jin, um, would have felt the need to insert white Americans in order to make the audience feel at ease. So, um, we get back to Rousseau's got him there, and she's talking about this music box. She listened to it for years. Robert had given it to her. Who's Robert? You know, he's trying to get more information out of her. He starts to get a little bit of things that she was part of a science vessel uh, Robert was on the vessel. He keeps asking about Alex, but it is nothing. funny that even though he's the captive and he's the one being physically tortured for information, you can also tell that like immediately, kind the the machinations in his brain start working, and he's like, I like it's kind of interesting to see the tables turned. That even though he's the one in danger and in this scenario it's kind of like the tables are slowly flipped and he's the one interrogating her he knows how to extract information information. but also she even though he's tied up she's weirdly at the disadvantage of she is desperate for human companionship she has been alone so long she has no like social like skills anymore really yeah so he can he can subtly manipulate i'm hesitant to even say manipulate because i think he feels something for her i feel like he he feels a lot of empathy for her because he heard her distress call and he knows exactly how long she's been here and he knowing again the the episode is called solitary knowing what he knows about the human condition and what humans are capable of withstanding both physically and emotionally and mentally he knows exactly even though he doesn't know what she's been through he knows what she's been through if that makes any sense he immediately um oh he's he's then able to fix the music box mm-hmm. um which is a great little moment. Oh, just that the pure joy on her face when it starts playing and she she's just profusely thanking him. She's but, like, thank you, thank you. But now we're going to get in to some shit oh. because she says, she mentions the Black Rock. What's the Black Rock? She mentions the others. Oh. Who, are, who are the others? Uh, she talks about like hearing them whispers but you don't see the people everything i said good about this episode i take it back I well no take no it back. here's another thing in watching it in hindsight uh yeah so she talks about never seeing the other people but she does see other people we know at a certain that's point a, that's that, a flaw that, that yeah. is okay now 
I'm mean, gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. Smart writing or stupid writing? And here here's the example I'm gonna give. Rousseau is insane. The writers put out a lot of interesting ideas. Do you think they intention like, well, she's insane, so we could end up interpreting this whoever whichever way we want down the line and it technically not be a flaw because it was said by a crazy person. Is that smart writing or stupid writing? I feel like that was the retroactive excuse for the inconsistencies is like she's an unreliable narrator because she's kind of bonkers. That being said, like I, I, I do feel like they use that as an out to cover up a later plot inconsistency because there's because they needed to have she, her interact with the others on some level. Jesus. Um, that being said, I feel like well, I feel like a lot of the uh, what ended up happening later on down the road is that initially I feel like they were trying to make this more supernatural than it ended up being uh, because there are only select individuals on the island who are touched by the supernatural, so to speak, or who interact with supernatural with the supernatural beings that are on the island. And I think in the and and we touched on it a little bit when she comments on there being monsters you know they're they're not being any monsters saeed's like there's a monster out there and she's like there's no such thing um i think we touched on that a little bit um when she talks about them whispering and everything like that that those are all things that make more sense if the others were initially meant to be more of the supernatural elements of the island and like not necessarily either either the notion of whispers was a bad idea with what they wanted the others to actually be in terms of what we got or initially the others were meant to be more of a supernatural element of this island that ended up getting changed at some point later on down the road and they're like Oh, no, they can't be supernatural. We have to ground this. But they already knew because we see, and we're going to get to it in a little bit, yeah. we see an other in this, episode. in this episode. We don't know that he's an other yet, but... But that being said, how could the others be what they were portrayed as at the very end of this episode in terms of the whispering? Like, that's a very sort of will of the wisp sort of thing. They're supposed like the way they're portrayed here. We're well, meant to believe that they're spirits but the, or well, some but the, sort but the, of demon. But the whispering sort of... isn't the others. What was the whispering then? If it's not the others, the whispering, and we find this out in maybe like the <laughs> third to last episode, God something like that. Damn it! This third or fourth show. last episode, the the whispering. No wonder I didn't remember it. Are the dead people on the island. The people who have died on the island. Unless I'm misremembering, but I I don't think so. Oh, fuck this show. (laughs) Fuck this show. Uh, How did I go from praising how how meaningful this episode was to cursing it? I don't think that's a bad thing. We think it's one thing. It turns out to be another thing. But they tell us a little late in the game. I guess timing is everything, because if, if I mean, because remember later we have characters that can communicate with always, the dead on the show. If it was always meant to be two separate things, the others well, and the the spirits 
Well, she and they were it. always meant to be two separate things that Rousseau misinterpreted as being one and the same, then but fine. Everybody misinterpreted that, including the audience. Exactly. That being said, like that, I, I understand them being two different elements then. Um, one being very much supernatural, the other one being grounded antagonist. I get that. However, the way it's executed in the show and how long they actually took to explain it was misleading. And like again, well, okay, well this is this is where we start to get into the things about the mythology of the show. And it comes down to this. When they wrote this episode, do we believe that they had the idea in mind that these were two separate things or when they wrote this episode, did they say the whispering is the others? And if I'm to be honest, you're probably right. It, it was written with the intention of this whispering is, is the, the others. others. And at some point they course corrected, which I think is their right. Look, every show, you know, I saw. Um, I the saw, creative process is a difficult one. You know, right now, I think the closest thing we have on TV to Lost is in terms of uh, mystery and in. in possibly unsolvable answers is Westworld. Or New Twin Peaks? Maybe? N I don't know. New Twin Peaks is a different level of Go things. watch Gravity Falls. It's a better mystery and it's better told. But but, <laughs> but I, I, the showrunner of Westworld, Lisa Joy, was basically talking about, you know, you, you have to have these things mapped out, but you can't have them planned out. Like, you can't... You, that you have to be able to evolve and change things. And with Lost, the thing I've always defended with Lost when I said, I, I always believe they knew where they wanted to go with this show. I always believed they knew they wanted to be this, this, this man in black, Jacob, good, evil thing, battle at the end. I always believe. I mean, they, they, it, like, going back, they clearly set, set the stage up. for it. Yes. But I, you know, the, I, this is an example of something that I'm sure changed along the way. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I, I think sometimes people who get angry at the show, and I, I don't say this I don't say this is your problem with it. You can, you can absolutely direct it at me. It's fine. But Because I have a problem with it. But I think sometimes when people are like, mm, they couldn't have known what they would. They didn't have. If you wanted them to have six seasons mapped out to a T, then you don't understand anything about the creative process or the way television works. The I I absolutely agree with you in terms of like you should have things mapped out, but you should also allow room for evolution and change because that's the problem that How I Met Your Mother got into. They decided how they wanted to end, and then the characters outgrew that ending. And so when they they finally reached the end after a lot of meandering and padding and unnecessary stretches in time, like when they finally reached that ending, it was no longer a satisfying ending because both the audience and the characters had outgrown the ending that they set in place without going into spoilers for that show. Like that's why it's super unsatisfying. So I agree. You need to have things mapped out, but you also need to be able to recognize when change and evolution is needed. That being said, 
looking at it, how it's portrayed in this episode, and knowing how long it took for the actual explanation for these whispering, like to the point it, where I didn't even remember it. It feels like that they were they by were the last retroactively season, trying to tie up loose. They ends. had to, yeah, they had to check a box off and like, uh, we better. Oh, whispering! We never explained that. Why didn't we ever explain that, Larry? But, Larry. I'm looking at you, Larry. Why didn't we ever explain that? Okay, we're going to have to mention it in the last three episodes. Thanks, Larry. So, But here's the thing. I'm wondering if when we get to season four, when we have a character who can communicate with the dead, if we see that it was being set up earlier than we think. It's hard, and it, it, it's it, hard it, to it, say because this is the first time I'm going back through it it's, all again. It's, this is why we have to go back. Do this we, is though? Why, but no, but I, I mean, I, I, and I think you would agree with this. There, there is something that you get out of the show on a rewatch. For love it or hate one, it. anyway. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, there's, that's it's a It's like point. the Sixth that's Sense. It's point. like watching the Sixth Sense a second time. You see, like, all the reasons you know that Bruce Willis is dead. Spoiler alert. But guess what? You know what? You should have seen the movie. It came out in 1999. <laughs> so. <laughs> a lot like this show. It yeah. came out in 2004. You should have um, seen it already. So let's just put a, a, a wrap a bow on this Saeed storyline. Uh, he ends, uh, Rousseau goes off to to uh, chase a noise that she hears that maybe it's a bear, maybe it's not. So I, I, I do love that moment of him being like, there are monsters out there. And she's like, no, they're not. I got it. Saeed. Saeed <laughs> it's a great moment. Saeed frees himself because he's Saeed. He grabs a gun. He confronts her in the jungle. There's a standoff. This moment is also so well executed because he's like, I need you to put the gun down. And she refuses. And unambiguously, we see her aiming at him. Not at something behind him. Not at, like, you know, yeah. a bear that's shown up outside of his peripheral vision unambiguously we cut to a wider shot of her pointing the gun at him and there's nothing else around so we know for a fact this is a standoff i loved that because there there's so much even in modern you know modern storytelling all these years later where people will point a gun at each other and then one person will fire and they were actually shooting at something behind yeah. the other person that and the you audience know what? couldn't even see. though i'd seen this episode years ago i thought that was what was going to happen I thought because it's such a trope. Yeah. And it's not a trope I dislike by yeah. by any means, but it's just one that's been done a lot, so that's what we expect. Uh but clever Rousseau, there's no firing pin inside his gun. Inside he shoots, he pulls the trigger. And that moment, that moment where she's like, Robert didn't notice it either. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> And she talks about how Robert was infected. He was sick. He was sick. And this is something else that comes into play in later seasons, and uh, particularly in the last season, I, particularly I will, with Saeed. I will give uh, this episode a lot of credit, too. Um, Russo is an unreliable narrator because she's been isolated for so long and is so desperate for companionship, and we don't... We don't know what she's been through, so we don't know if she had some sort of psychotic break and killed everyone, or if because the supernatural has been established to be a thing, if something terrible happened to them and she her hand was forced. We don't 
No. And that's good. This is this is good storytelling where it's up for, de- you know, it's up in the air what actually happened. Did something supernatural happen to them and she had to defend herself or did she just go crazy and go on a killing spree? That's good storytelling, not stupid whispers that retroactively got changed. Rabba, rabba, rabba. Sorry, so, rabble, but rabble, rabble. Speaking of that, the episode ends with Saeed hearing whispers. But there were other people on the island. Because, uh, you know, I should also say, Rousseau ends up letting him go. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> like, you're, you're skipping a little bit. I she, am skipping. I'm, I'm, she, she lets him go and then just kind of walks off into the sunsets, John Wayne style. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which is sad because and, she didn't have to. He... Because the way he gets her to, to let him go is by telling her what was written on the back of Which the photograph. Which was, uh, you'll find me in the next life if not in this one. Which is what Nadia was writing on the back of the photograph. And that gets her to let him go. It's but then beautiful. as she's walking off, he asks who Alex was. And she says, her child. Again, very well done. Um, But there were other people on the island. Well, and it's... It's tragic looking at her because um, he's like, come come with me. You don't have to be alone anymore. But she can't trust him because, as, as you pointed out, there are other people on the island. She has no way of for sure knowing if she can trust Saeed or not. So she, again, off off on her own again. It's, yes. It's beautifully tragic. So... Kate has a moment early in this episode. That made me think of you. (laughs) In what regard? In the regard that on this rewatch, even knowing this will never happen, you're kind of shipping Kate and Saeed. Yeah, yeah. And there's a moment where she is like sitting on that beach. Like, I'm going to wait here on this beach for Saeed to return. It was beautiful. Like, she's like really, he's been gone two days. She's worried. And... Their relationship was much more heavily emphasized in these early episodes. And I, I wish they had run with it. I, obvious at the time, I never noticed that because you're so focused on the Jack sort of thing, which is, look, because those two are, are kind of having a big dick contest about yeah, who they're could impress Kate. Yeah, they're having a pissing contest. Yeah. Uh, it's so, even at the beginning of this episode when, like, Sawyer's getting patched up by, but, by Jack, I'm like, oh, my God. I do love that he calls him Dr. Quinn, though. <laughs> Look, Jack, Sawyer, either kiss or just stop talking to each they're other. They're like Nadia <laughs> pushing uh, Saeed into the dirt, you know? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Um, they're not fighting over Kate. They're they're jealous of Kate over each other. Yeah, but <laughs> Wouldn't that have made for an interesting show? Oh my god! With that, like that, I'm like sure, there's plenty of fanfic to support soft that. Soft lost, but like dun, 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 <laughs> as they embrace and kiss. Yes. Um, I'm into it. And then with Kate, Sawyer's hair flowing in the Kate wind. And then Kate and Saeed would be free to get together. And they could be the leader of the island while Jack and Sawyer run off together. We just wrote a better fanfic. I love it. So, uh, you know, Sawyer's kind of a pariah. Jack's back at the caves. He's working on some guy named Sullivan who's got hives. Which, it's always 
funny whenever they introduce a person on the island that we have not previously and, met. And I think it's funnier in retrospect, going back, because I bet you nine episodes in, I was perfectly fine with Su- No, no, I wasn't. Sullivan sticks <laughs> out like a sore thumb. It's like, who's this guy? Because he's got a shtick. Oh, he's got like a neurotic shtick and it, going on. it gets on. worse as time goes on of like the, the whole aspect of Lost, of introducing a new person who's been there since the crash, of just... And who's this asshole? You know, because we've never seen them before. But introducing Sullivan was excellent timing because there was another character that yes, they introduced it, at the same time. And the whole thing was that we're establishing that these people have been here since day one. Exactly. The second I saw uh, Ethan You have walk a story. Up. Well, here's the thing. Ethan, played by William Maypother, who is also Tom Cruise's cousin, by the way. Really? Yes. I did not know that. Now, he you know. He does kind of look like him now. I, I do see the family resemblance now. You've, you, now, Ethan comes in, and I don't know, you know, Locke's like, oh, Ethan has some hunting experience. Oh, there's Ethan. Hey, Ethan, dropping off some stuff. Now, the second I saw him, I was like, oh, this creep. It is interesting that both he and his cousin have played characters named Ethan. So, that's <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this creepy motherfucker. Now, the question is, again, was I doing that like 17 some odd years ago? Or was I just like, oh, this guy. Who's this guy? Ethan! But we know that Ethan is a reason we see him here in this episode. But Ethan is an other. He's an will, antagonist. We yes. will come to learn this. And we won't get into the deep details of it. But let me say this story. So my friend Melody was starting to watch Lost, and she was catching up. And she became a friend that, once she caught up, and I think she caught up by the end of season three, we would have these, like, long conversations. She was one of my favorite people to talk Lost with. Uh, We were sitting at Izzy's Deli uh, having dinner one night. Izzy's Deli on... uh, uh, Wilshire Boulevard, they make a fantastic uh, 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 Reuben. Anyway, <laughs> and she was in the middle of the Ethan episodes in the first season. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, William Maypother walks into Izzy's. What? And I did not see him, but I was looking at Melody, who did see him, and she screamed (laughs) and then immediately realizing this was stupid sunk under the table so it looked like (laughs) no one was there where did that scream come from and i was like turned around and i saw (laughs) did he look like scared that he just heard a scream (laughs) everybody looked startled looked alarmed everybody looked alarmed and then she slowly came back up from under the table oh my gosh that's incredible but as speak of the devil and he shall appear but as this uh, as our podcast goes on we will get more and more into ethan but he's introduced uh but the big thing in in this storyline is or in the, in the beast the, the big beast story is hurley rightfully so realizes people are stressed out uh jack was like things could be worse i was like how i love that moment that's 
Again, Hurley is very much the voice of the audience in a lot of these early episodes. He's the heart of the show in a lot of ways. And yeah, it's just like hearing Jack do his white male protagonist thing of be like, it could be worse. I've got a lot of things to stress about and there are a lot of responsibilities that we have to take care of and a lot of work to be done. Uh, Just to hear him go like, fuck up, Hurley, it could be worse. And to have Hurley go, how, Jack? We are lost on an island where there's nobody coming to rescue us, probably. Like, how could things be worse? And as we'll come to find out, they definitely can get worse. But in this moment, it's nice to get that moment from Hurley of like, really, dude? Really? You're going to throw that cliche at me? So he Hurley realizes people need to relax. So he builds a golf course. It's only a couple of holes. Oh. And the but, the way his face lights up when he opens up that suitcase and he finds the stuff for this, the way his face lights up, it's like that moment in Pulp Fiction when they open up the, no, briefcase, the briefcase and light. Just the way his face um, lights up, like it, it's very much like you can almost hear the music in his own head. Like as he's like, oh, this is perfect. This is the answer to my problem. So Hurley, Jack, Michael. And Charlie, Charlie yeah. start golfing. And we get some great more Hurley-Charlie friendship stuff. Um, and it's just kind of a fun, like, I mean, I, I mean, I, it really is. There's some character stuff with Michael and Walt in it. And, yeah. and there's still some more one-upmanship with Sawyer coming in to watch. But it really is one of the lighter moments that we've it, got, which makes sense because Hurley created this to be a light moment it, it, it's not just like it, it's smart writing in that regard because if you're gonna have a light moment and you want to feel organic have it because characters are trying to create a light moment like hey we're trying to have fun yeah it continues the the story beats of michael and walt not being on the same page michael and- left walt yeah, and then he's like, "Come on, you can play. Come on, Walt, like play this. Like, I'm sorry, I screwed up. Um, let's like we can definitely play." And then Charlie, just this moment of like Charlie being like, "Okay, Michael, you're up." Instead of going, "Okay, Walt, I'm gonna teach you how to swing," he instead goes, "Okay, cool, my turn. Walt, we'll play later." And it's like, "What, Dad?" Yeah, this guy's playing golf. By the way, in order for me to be interested in watching people play golf, I'd have to be like two weeks deep into being stuck on a deserted island (laughs) because I don't know. Have you ever tried watching golf on TV? It is pretty boring. It's rough. I I Uh, will say. Was that a pun? No. Okay. In what way was that a pun? This isn't it. Your ball gets in the rough, and you. Is that a golf? It's term? It's a golf term. Oh my gosh! No, I didn't mean it to be a pun <laughs> because I don't know golf terminology. I just love that. Um, I love Charlie though. Of all people, does he's like it's called a mulligan. This is an elegant gentleman's game. I've never made par before. <laughs> Hurley stinks, by the way. He's a terrible golfer. Oh, but they're but having Jack, so much fun. We never find out if Jack uh, sinks that putt. I, again, this is Unless such... we do in the next episode. That's a runner that goes, we find that out in the series finale. We find <laughs> you know, the out biggest, he... The biggest question that we've all been wondering was whether or not, 
And again, this is this is another excellent example of something that's left ambiguous for the audience because but, it ultimately doesn't matter who it, won the bet. Yeah, it just matters that it brought them all together. Yeah. They're all really together on the same page for in, the first time. In terms of the ambiguity in this episode, with the exception of the whispers, this was all excellent use of ambiguity in storytelling a lot of it i know i made the anime reference earlier but a lot of it does kind of feel structurally like an episode of an anime and i mean that as like a compliment um and like talking about uh the relationship between sawyer and kate like kate encouraging sawyer to actually start making an effort like that was a great moment too of like him coming over and like offering to bet people whether or not Jack, you know, betting that Jack will, of course he, he comes over and he wants to bond with people by betting against Jack. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like it takes people a minute, but then they're like, yeah, I'll take that bet. Why not? Yeah. Um, one last thing on the episode that we should say, Walt does not like to play golf because Walt likes to play with knives. Walt early in the episode wants to go hunting with luck. And then in Michael's like, no. And then later, we see uh, after Walt, Michael again wins Dad of the Year award. Locke is like throwing his knife into a tree, and uh, Walt wants to uh, hang out. Yeah, he wants to to learn how to how to handle you know knives in the same way that uh, Locke can. Which, in his defense, for a kid lost on an island, like teaching him survival skills is not a bad idea. But because again, we don't really know, a, like in terms of Michael's perspective, we don't really know Locke. We don't know a lot about him. He's this weird, he's a, weird, he's a, weird he's a weirdo. He's a weirdo. And the one time Michael actually did go out with him, he got hurt. So of course he's not going to want his kid He's not going to want to put his kid in harm's way. However, he needs to start making more of an effort or he's going to lose Walt. It's it's just that simple. Um, he's literally going to lose Walt. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's it again. All of this stuff is is where I again, I roll my eyes at like clearly this was stuff where the writers wanted to go somewhere with it and it ended up not. I will, Granted, there are circumstances out I of their control. I will always give. You know, I'm 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 watching season two of Westworld. Mm-hmm. Um, by time this episode airs, Westworld season two will be long gone. <laughs> so this might not come. It might not be. This relevant. might not be relevant. But you know, one character, one robot on Westworld is determined to find her robot daughter, and. <laughs> And I, and it's like kind of this emotional storyline. But as I said to a friend of mine after, after watching a recent episode, I'm like, well, you know, she's never, either never going to find her or the daughter's going to die. And he's like, why? And I said, well, because it's played by a kid. Kids are going to grow up. Robots don't grow up. Like, so this can't work out. Uh, and you know, I'd rather they're gonna have to keep recasting that role. But I, I think of things in that way because of Walt. Anyway, what is your, what is your big positive, your big light side um, of the island? The, the only other thing I want to touch on before I talk about the light side is, um, we we do get a little extra character beat from Michael in that he oh. used to be an artist. Yeah. Like he was, he worked at an architecture firm, and we see what a talented 
artful eye he has with this quick sketch that we see him do. It's like, yeah, this guy's talented. He, I, I like, he clearly ended up at a place in life where he was not allowed to let his artistic side flourish. And you, you really feel like the, the ripples and the repercussions of whatever that was, he's still dealing with. Um, anyway, talking about the light, I have to go back to just it's remarkable that this episode of television aired when it did in 2004 when so much of the news and the media was demonizing um, people in Iraq or like very much praising America's freedom fighters. It it was bold television then and it would be bold now. And it's really sad that it would be bold now. Um, I, I'm going to kind of jump off of that a little bit and say particularly Naveen Andrews, who's always Absolutely. great on the show. Oh my gosh. But it was so nice to finally have the episode where it's about him and it's so much about him. Like, I feel like this episode, because the B story is so light and fluffy, this episode more than any felt singularly uh, singularly yeah. focused on one Cause, character. Because we've had other... I, I'll even use the example of Sun's episode. Like, even though that was a fantastic episode, and the focus on her, it didn't feel as focused on her because the, the B and the C storylines were taking a more prominent role than the B storyline in this episode. Yes. Um, that and, like, Saeed's going through a very harrowing ordeal. Uh, not not to diminish anything that has come before this for any of the other characters, but like this is the one of the the first times we're seeing one of our characters who is isolated and alone and out on their own, where nobody else from the from the plane knows where they are, who has been singled out by an antagonistic force that's on this island. Yeah, Locke had that moment with the smoke monster, as did Jack, Kate, and Charlie. But this is this is something, again, that was set up in episode one that we're getting a payoff for now and that our, you know, a character that we've come to like, that we've come to sympathize with, even though he's done bad things, uh, we see him in a dire situation with something that he has context for and that we have context for and that we understand the emotional ramifications of. Everything about this was great. Uh, what was your, uh, what's your... Whispers. Your, <laughs> my, uh, my man in black whispers in this episode, for uh, sure. I, just because I don't want to go back into the mythology stuff, I'm going to say it was a good old... Uh, uh, Sullivan with his really broad <laughs> performance of guy with hives. Like, hey, hey, Doc, you're out here playing golf. What's going on? Can I fly? Now, again, the only reason they they no, they bring I, him in is to is to subtly sneak I Ethan say in there it's too. It's to subtly sneak Ethan in there by having the broadest, like you know, Woody Allen, Larry I was David. Say, he was very Woody like, Allen. <laughs> like he's like so nebbish and like dark like a gun. What is and he does and he doesn't what? know what hives are. He doesn't know what hives are, really. Fuck you, Sullivan. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Here's the thing, if like if the others had like if the whispering hadn't turned out to be dead people, as you pointed out, 
and the others hadn't been like revealed to be something else if the others had been like revealed to be dead people if that makes any sense i would have been okay with it like if the others had been a supernatural force you would not have I would been have, okay with I would it. have been more okay with it than what we got i Will. would i would argue that the others being dead people is far less interesting than what the others actually are then don't establish the whispering <laughs> um okay well that's it for this week <laughs> this, uh, uh, this again this episode was spectacular i i'm you know we're still early on and i'm gonna probably eat these words but i think you're not gonna hate this show as much i'm not saying you're gonna like it but i think as we go on you're not gonna hate it as much as you think you are we're in the honeymoon phase season one is phenomenal (laughs) only nine episodes in remember there's 118 episodes oh my god (laughs) and these are the good ones oh (laughs) what have i done uh megan Tell the people where they can find you. Hey, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link. And you can follow us on Twitter at No Love Lost Pod. And uh, yeah, no, uh, drop us some lines and uh, let us know what you think. And also, listen to other shows on the podcast jukebox network absolutely support the people who support us it means a lot um okay so we will be back next time with another exciting episode (laughs) of season one of lost bye everybody Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to No Love Lost on the podcast Jukebox Network. Yeah, we really appreciate you guys listening. And if you guys liked the show that we put on, you might like some of the other shows put on by this lovely network. Um, Off the Cuffs, which is a kink and BDSM podcast, which is very popular. Um, Being There, Will Sean podcast. Will he? Uh, he does. <laughs> uh, you would know. Drinks with God and proud to be kinky. Yeah, so we want to give a big thank you to this network for, for supporting us, for giving us a platform to talk about Lost On. So, guys, it would really mean a lot if you would show uh, these other podcasts some love. Yeah, go back, give them a listen. If you like us, you might like them. We're on the same network. Only makes sense. Go listen to them. Give them all five stars. Do that. And then also give us five stars. Yeah, we could use it. (laughs) 